Hey guys, I'm Sage, and this is the Iconic Dollcast. On this podcast, I'll be talking about iconic dolls and their cultural impact over time. As a longtime doll collector, I thought it would be interesting to go back and research all about the dolls that I had growing up. This includes everything from Barbie to Britney, all the way to American Girls, and so much more. I specialize in making customized versions of the Britney Spears doll. If you haven't yet, give me a follow on Instagram, Britney Spears Custom Dolls, on TikTok, Britney Spears Dolls, and Twitter, B Spears Dolls. You can also follow the official podcast Instagram, Iconic Dollcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Iconic Dollcast. I'm Sage, your host, and thank you for tuning in to another episode. Today, we are getting into Monster High dolls, which are probably the most unique, cool concept of a doll that I've talked about on this podcast so far. Monster High dolls is not something that I had when I was growing up or as a teen, but I definitely noticed them when they came out and I always thought they were super cool and very original. Something that I think is so interesting about these dolls is that they're actually produced by Mattel and I think Mattel gets a lot of backlash and criticism for not being a very diverse toy company, but I mean, I really don't think you can get much more (laughs) diverse than these Monster High dolls. They are like nothing I've ever seen before. Very like, the aesthetic is like, creepy in a very dark way but still very appealing still very interesting they at least originally were looked super high quality I was just going back through photos and was just pretty amazed honestly by how awesome these dolls are and I'm really excited today my guest Claudina you guys have got to check them out on Instagram TikTok everywhere YouTube Claudina does a lot of makeup tutorials and also is just a massive, massive Monster High doll collector and has a huge collection of like $1,500 or something. It's absolutely insane. I had such a great time talking to them and I'm so excited to have them be a part of this brand new season of the Iconic Dollcast. Before we get into my interview with Claudina, let's go over some really basic facts about Monster High dolls. They were released in late 2010 They were known for going against the standard trends of Barbie fashion, you know, like mermaids and all that stuff. They were super edgy. There were vampires, zombies, mummies. And what I'm gathering is that all of these characters are based off of fictional monsters like Dracula. And there's quite a few of them. These dolls started production in 2007, and they were aimed towards tweens. Um, They were in development for about three years. Lots of changes occurred between the prototype stage and their final release. Garrett Sanders and Darren Sanders are the creators, and they figured that these dolls would be a big hit because they did some, you know, market testing with kids and went shopping with a bunch of young girls to see what they were interested in. And, you know, the Twilight movie had just come out and they were pretty surprised to find out that things like Hot Topic was very popular, gothic style clothing and, you know, the whole vampire theme, just a little more creepy than Barbie, you know? 
Their tagline was Freaky Just Got Fabulous, which is pretty awesome. There was animated webisodes, novels, TV show specials that all promoted the brand. And as with most doll lines, parents weren't on board with these dolls as much as their kids were. They didn't like how thin they were. They thought they set bad beauty standards for kids. They thought their costumes were inappropriate. And overall, they just didn't like how mean the doll looked. Despite having a bunch of, you know, criticism by conservative, closed-minded parents, these dolls are very successful. They are still being produced today. I believe they are in their third wave of Monster High dolls, which is really cool to see them still around. And I believe there are new Monster High dolls that are going to be coming to stores in late 2022. I think this podcast will be out way after that. But, you know, if you are interested in Monster High dolls, there are probably new dolls that are available for you, you know, at Target, Walmart, all those places. So definitely check it out. And let's see, a big a big peak for them, 2013. They were the second highest selling doll behind Barbie. We all know it's very hard to compete with Barbie, but... Monster High did that, and yeah, it's a very creative brand, a very cool doll line, and I'm really excited to get into my conversation with Claudina about them, and let's check it out. All right, so today we are talking with major Monster High collector and enthusiast Claudina, so tell us a little bit about yourself. What do you do, and how did Monster High dolls come about in your life? Yeah, holla holla, I'm Claudina, so naturally my name has Claudine in it. Um, I started collecting Monster High when it initially launched in 2010. I was 10 years old at the time. I had just moved to like my first home that was outside of my apartment and Monster High just brought me a sense of comfort after I saw the commercials on Nickelodeon with my brother. Um, And now it's like my entire identity. Amazing. And you know, I looked at your Instagram, you are extremely talented. Thank you. Your makeup skills are amazing. And I mean, you have an amazing, amazing monster. I can see them right now. Monster (laughs) High Dog collection. That's incredible. So was it was it just like an instant obsession? Um, I've always been a bit of a collector type personality. So yeah, I would say, yeah, I saw them in stores. I honestly thought they were gothic brats. And I was like, I need to have these. Yeah. And what about the dolls just made you love them? Was it just their whole aesthetic or specifically what were you, what were you like? Oh my God, I have to have these. I mean, honestly, at the time, like I was raised Christian. I had two um, parents who were ordained ministers. So the Gothic like monster element kind of spooked me for a sec, but um, it was that they were fully posable and there was so much character building on the boxes. I love that if you flip the box around that there was so much lore about the characters, even at that young age and the amount of detail in the dolls in comparison to other dolls at the time that, that sold the doll line on me. Yeah, I think I think packaging is super important with dolls, especially for collectors. How many Monster High dolls do you think you have? Oh my gosh, um, probably over 1500 there's over 800 monster high dolls i counted and i'm only missing 60 of them in box so that doesn't even include out of box yeah i'm (laughs) no that's amazing yeah and we're gonna get into like collectability and stuff in just a little bit but when you were out looking for these dolls like specifically are, are you only looking for in box do you get out of box dolls as well um, when I was a kid, it was both. I would actually, well, I would make YouTube videos, make money, and that's how I got both. But at first, it was out of box. Now I do pretty much inbox exclusively when it comes to Monster High. I mean, when I'm lucky and I you know, have a little bit of extra money, I'll get both, but mostly inbox. I always, I always tell my guests that oh, I, I've collected dolls my whole life, and I never had any 
any kind of discipline, I used to take them out of the box all the time. And like, even still to this day, when I get (laughs) new dolls, I have such a problem keeping them in their box, but I try my best because I know that with collectability and stuff, you know, obviously the value goes up when the dolls are still in their box. But so Monster High dolls were actually produced by Mattel, which is interesting to me because when you think of Mattel, you instantly think about Barbie. And when you think about Barbie, it's unfortunate, but you mostly think about things such as, you know, a really big lack in diversity. But with these Monster Hide, with these Monster High dolls, they're super, super unique. So when were Monster High dolls introduced to the world? When did they come out? 2010, I think you said? Yeah, they initially launched in 2010 um, around the summertime, a little like it was like spring, summer was their launch. And it, like you said, like it is by Mattel. So Mattel was very weary of launching the brand. Uh, Frankie Stein is one of their most popular characters. Uh, she, now they, is green. Um, and initially they were going to make Frankie in like a Barbie skin tone because they were saying green doesn't sell to girls, which is an example of Mattel sometimes being a little conservative with mm-hmm. wanting to push the boundaries. But then um, Garrett Sander, who was the lead packaging designer on other brands became the designer for Monster High. One of the co-creators of Monster High really pushed for those those things and thus Monster High was born. Yeah, I mean, they're super cool. Like I said, I didn't I didn't have any of these growing up. I never got into them, but while I was doing my research, I was looking at them and like uh, obviously they they don't a lot of them don't have very natural skin tones, but they do have very di- there's a it's a, a uh, huge diversity. I mean, there's blue dolls, green dolls, like black and white dolls, which are so cool. Like it's, uh, it's very it's very interesting. And so while I was re- researching, I saw these dolls were in production for a few years, um, and it seems like they kind of changed up the brand before they were actually. Re- actually released. And I do, I think my first thought was, wow, these kind of remind me of Bratz dolls, but obviously, you know, um, as, as they came out, they look very different, but you know, the oversized head and exaggerated features, um, are definitely a big part of it. But I I did see the pictures of the prototypes, which is something we talk about a lot on this show. And they did, they did change a lot, quite a bit from, um, their initial inception to what they look like now. So, what, I mean, uh, what do you think attracted, I mean, probably the same thing as it was for you, but what do you think really attracted people to these dolls? Um, part of me wants to joke and be like, I'm unhinged. So everything I say on this podcast is going to be a lie. But <laughs> now, um, I do know that a lot of it was uh, research done by Garrett that he shared in one of the videos with Mattel that what they were looking at market research of girls at the time, which I, I honestly like hate saying because I was a boy and I liked Monster High, but, um, they were looking at what girls were gravitating towards. And it was like going to hot topic. It was buying more of that edgy scene era of style. And that was largely pioneered by things like the popularization of twilight. Um, so things like vampires becoming really popular and werewolves and then like true blood and shows like that. So I think that that aesthetic became really popular. And the reason that Monster High took off in in a way that was different than any other franchise at the time because we also had lived dolls, which were really posable and mm-hmm. really ahead of their time and also had wigs and were very versatile. But Monster High had a community. They built a community very quickly because they built characters that people could identify with. They built aesthetics that people could identify with. It was really that world building that made Monster High the success it is because without a community, your brand is nothing. 
Totally. And I know that they did a lot to get these dolls ready for release. I know they were doing like animated webisodes and TV shows. And something that is so important for dolls is when they do like publications, like books and like giving the dolls a backstory. So I understand that Monster High had some of those written for kids. So who are the main girls for Monster High? Yeah, so um, the main ghouls are Frankie Stein, daughter of Frankenstein, Draculaura, daughter of Dracula, Claudine Wolf, daughter of the werewolf, Cleo Denial, daughter of the mummy, Laguna Blue, daughter of the sea monster. Like those are the main ghouls that we'll see throughout the movies. And then other ghouls, which people will call me out for if I don't say Ghoulie Yelp's daughter of the zombie, Holt Hyde is son of uh, Jackson or Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, um, and then Deuce is son of Medusa. So those were like the first lineup of dolls in 2010 that came out. And um, something that you mentioned is like the book. So there's a lot of lore with these characters. The primary lore that people follow would be the webisodes in the movies, which do kind of differentiate. The books that were written were by Lisey Harrison. Those are an entirely separate canon that like some people like to throw in. I think they're really cool stories, but they're like a separate subcategory of the Monster High universe and then the diaries. So there's a lot of character building within the dolls diaries that came with each individual character's dolls. Yeah, and that's just so great because I mean, you can... When you get a doll, like already, especially if you're a kid, you your imagination and your creativity really grows with that. But I think when you have stories that give them kind of just more, you know, personalization, it just expands, it expands that world for kids so much. And it's so important. And it just, it makes you feel like a way closer connection with the doll. And I did know that with the Monster High, these, they did a lot of that. So I think that's super creative and cool. Other than the fact that these dolls are already just so innovative. They're so different. They're so unique. And I understand. I mean, we're going to get into that right now. I mean, the initial reaction of the dolls from a parent's view, which I find with every, I think, except for American Girl, really, like all the other doll lines instantly, you know, conservative parents were going after them. So what what was the initial reaction of these dolls with parents? I know that they didn't like how skinny they were, um, but I'm sure there's more. (laughs) Yeah. So that was a major controversy was the dolls proportions. Um, one of them is that Claudine on the back of her box says that her favorite activity is flirting with the boys, which ended up being nothing part of her personality. So it was kind of pointless. Um, and then it also mentions her plucking and shaving, which is something that parents really had taken issue more with the plucking and shaving than the flirting thing, which I found interesting, but they were saying that it was encouraging young girls to like explore puberty too early. It was encouraging things like, you know, that you have to shave that in order to be like feminine and conventional, that shaving is important. Um, those were like the main controversies. And then if you want to take it a step further, there's like QAnon type things where it's like, oh, they're glamorizing death. So they're like, uh, brainwashing people into certain mental states or like, again, glamorizing death. I, I'm a big mental health advocate and I feel like Monster High has only helped with those things. So, I mean, you know, everybody has their own theories, but those were the main controversies coming from parents. Yeah. And it's just, I mean, all of them, you can be like, I mean, like I said, they all, parents have problems with everything. And it's just like, you guys have to pick apart everything. Like these dolls are not going to harm your kid. If anything, they're so cool. Like this is not, this is not, I don't, I don't, I don't look at it personally as glamorizing death. I think that it's just, it's a new innovative way for kids to learn how to play and use their imagination. I'm half Chinese. So like part of like the background of that is like, it's a very Western idea that like you have to like 
fear death. Not that most people don't fear death, but like in other cultures, it's often celebrated. Like it's something that, you know, it's going to happen and it's, it's inevitable. Um, and it's something that you can quote unquote glamorize, but I, I think it also depends on your culture background as to how you perceive that. Right. And, you know, it's just, it's always America, you know, America's always just ready to go after anything. And I just feel like it's always parents that are just so insecure about themselves. And it's like, well, if you, if you have a problem with this, why don't you, why don't you sit down with your kid? If you, if you have such a problem with it, but your kid is insisting on getting this doll, why don't you sit down with your kid and explain to them, you know, this is a fantasy. This is not, this is not real life. But I also am like, people, people don't give kids enough credit. Like I think as a kid, I was well aware that my Barbies weren't real. You know what I mean? And I, I just used it as a way to, you know, kind of express myself. And it's not like I was going out in like Barbie attire. Not that there's any problem with that, but I think especially with Barbie, that was that was a big concern with parents. You know, I don't we don't want our daughters looking like this, whatever. And it's just like so stupid. Just if you have a problem with it, sit down with your kids. Do be responsible. Because right now I think what's irresponsible is these parents coming after these dolls that aren't even real people and I mean you shouldn't go after anyone anyway but it's just like they're just they're just negating their responsibility and putting out their insecurities onto onto dolls which I just think is so stupid sure yeah and then with the what the girl I did read about that about her plucking and shaving she's a werewolf right yes yes so it's just kind of like you know (laughs) I I just don't think there was any um I don't think there's ever just a a bad intention behind a lot of these dolls that get criticized. I think parents just look way too deep into it. No, and and I think the thing is like, like companies as a creator myself, I think we're often hypervigilant of what we're putting out there. So I'm sure Mattel highly vetted everything they're putting out there and the things they think they're going to get called out, canceled for, if you will, are not what they expect. So I'm sure they published that and didn't expect anyone to be offended. And some people might argue that's the problem, but I think that it's, you know, they're never create, they're never not being hyper vigilant of what they're putting out there. I really feel like, especially Mattel as a company. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. Controversy aside, these dolls are very, very successful. Is Monster High still, are they still putting out products? Yes. So okay. um, this year is their their reboot. So they're rebooting for the third time. This will be G3 is what it's considered, Monster High. Um, and it's, you know, they're really, really pushing it. They're partnered with Nickelodeon. So their biggest mm. push is giving Nickelodeon the license to create Monster High in a very new and different way. Um, the popularity really skyrocketed, I would say, around 2020 when everyone was on lockdown and TikTok mm-hmm. created this Monster High makeup trend. And that really pioneered people's adoration for the brand. Because, And the reason we can see that is statistically, if we look at the numbers of researching things like Monster High, the viewership for the brand and the sales, resale value of things of Monster High skyrocketed. I, and I'll be honest, this is just my theory. I don't know this to be factual, but I think because people were getting... Um, what is it? The COVID like relief checks, people were using them on dolls. And I think that largely played a part in these dolls being able to go up in price because people were putting money towards it. But um, prior to that, I mean, Monster High had been a global phenomenon. And when I say global, I do mean like internationally that I think again, as Americans, like we think we only think of America, but like other countries, it was wild, like wildly celebrated. They would have like Monster High, um, live musicals where they really look like the characters in other countries. So, I mean, it's, it's 
it was more than a franchise, to put it that way, like more than just a doll brand. Very cool. Yeah. I mean, there's so many things. I mean, how many movies have they, they've made a few movies too. Yeah. There was 15 movies in the original launch and then there was two um, reboot movies and now they have a live action movie that's going to be releasing. Oh, that'll be cool. That'll be really interesting. Yeah, that's controversial within itself, but yes. (laughs) (laughs) And then the pandemic collector thing. I've talked, I actually talked about that with Nina Kimberly when we were talking about Bratz dolls and like, it's very similar to Bratz. You know, the Bratz challenge really brought Bratz back into the forefront and with the pandemic, I mean, as a doll collector, I mean, I've been collecting dolls my whole life. I'm always on eBay. I'm always on the sites looking. And I noticed so many things like, what the hell? Why is this $400 now? Right. Like, <laughs> right. I, I wanted this like four months ago and it was like 25 bucks. What is going on? But yeah, I definitely mm-hmm. think people were on lockdown and had nothing better to do. Um, and it's just so funny because, I mean, I'm sure you feel the same way as someone who was already a doll collector. It's like, what the hell, man? Like, <laughs> what is yeah, going on? I, really, I, I think it somehow like pioneered um, more people to join this community. And I think that, well, one, because I think people weren't really exposed to having to be online. There was a lot of people who had never really created online communities for themselves. And so, when we were on lockdown, that was your only option. And I think people stumbled upon these niches that they didn't anticipate. And Monster High was definitely one of them. Definitely. When I decided to do this podcast, it was actually like a really, it probably I would say around COVID lockdown time when I was started like conceptualizing it, but I didn't ever, I just didn't have any time until this summer to finally like lock it down. But the doll community is just so, it's ginormous. I mean, it's like subcategories too. You've got your Monster High, you've got your Bratz, you've got your Barbies. I'm in the Britney doll world, celebrity dolls. Um, It's just really crazy. But yeah, they all seem to really skyrocket when that happened. You know, people just didn't have anything to do. But I think it's, I think it's cool because the doll community is just so open and, you know, everyone's willing to like talk with everyone. And it's just so neat that doing this podcast has been an absolute breeze, just finding people to talk to. And it's just, it's really nice, um, you know, to see some new people getting involved and more people understanding. I don't know about you, but I mean, my whole life I've been, you know, kind of looked at as a weirdo yes. because, because yes. I collect dolls and I'm like, of course. yes, I understand. That. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, no, like, that that's not it's not weird it's just you guys some people buy really expensive shoes right. i i buy dolls and i it makes me happy and you know i i do think that like I, i'm assuming that's what you're alluding to is that the popularization and normalization of doll collecting shifted that because i came from the beauty community before i shifted back into dolls so before lockdown like i was under boutique management and we were like ready to be mainstream with the type of beauty content I was doing, like walking red carpets. I met Lady Gaga. It was wild, but I really just wanted to do doll content. And my management at the time felt that was unconventional. So they wouldn't reach out to Mattel or MGA to try to collaborate. And I was like, no, like, and then the Bratz challenge happened. And I was like, look, dolls are like a thing. Like we should work with dolls. I love dolls. I'm telling you, like, let's do that. And they wouldn't do it. And now it's so normalized that a lot of people that I was friends with in the beauty community who also worked in these same spaces shifted over to dolls. So it's really interesting to see that, like, you know, and not that there's a problem with that. I definitely don't feel like I need to gatekeep the community. I think it's great that people are finding 
fun ways of coping, fun ways of living life. I mean, I always say, stay yes to life. And I think like shutting, believing that dolls is weird is not saying yes to life. So right. go on, collect dolls. Everyone's welcome in the community, but it's definitely interesting to see that shift from people being like, oh, I'm going to step away from this. There's this, there's a bit of a stigma around it to now it's like, oh, like this is it. Like, this is a cute thing to have. This is like home decor, but elevated. Yeah, definitely. I 100% have just noticed this. I think, I, I don't know if you know this. I, I'm customized Britney Spears dolls. I, yeah. That's my, I that's my, I love your tea. I love oh, your shirt. <laughs> oh, thanks. Um, that's my whole spiel. And I have definitely noticed like since when I first started, which I think that was in like 2017, 2018. It's just because I used to be so, I was like, I've told like five friends about this. I'm, I'm like, I was, I was always so like nervous to talk about it, but now I'm just like, yeah, I make Britney Spears dolls and people are like, yeah. oh my God, that's so cool. Whereas I'm before, sure. yeah. Whereas before, you know, I would get, you know, and not that I, I do not give a shit what anyone thinks about me. I don't care. Um, but I definitely noticed when I would tell people, you know, a few years back, like, oh, I do this, you know, you get that weird look, like, what do yeah. you I know I know exactly what you're talking about it's like what do you mean what do I mean I just told you I make Britney Spears dolls like (laughs) it's just like a little hobby of mine yes absolutely I I completely understand but I I have found that it's easier to talk about now when people are just like oh I think I mean COVID sucked I wish it would have never happened but you know trying to look at the positives from it it did seem to open up a lot of people's minds oh it definitely it was literally a revolution yeah (laughs) literally since we're talking about dolls, so what have you, I mean, you've collected dolls, I assume like your whole life oh, really. So yeah, what, what else, what other kind of dolls are you into? Um, I loved Ever After High, which is a spinoff of Monster High. I do like brats, basically fashion dolls, but this way, any fashion doll, um, I, I dabbled into. The only doll I never really fully committed to was Barbie. And one, there's just so much of it. And I just didn't vibe with that, that aesthetic. But when she was in her life in the Dreamhouse era, that was like my era of Barbie. That's kind of what I grew up on, which I feel like to some people is like, um, that's like not even Barbie, but I really liked that era. Um, so really any, any fashion doll, like Integrity Toys, Disney dolls, even their limited editions. Yes. I don't think there's a doll that like I wouldn't necessarily collect. I don't, I don't, it's fashion dolls. Let's put it that way. Not like American girl or baby dolls. Not, there's anything wrong with that, but not my thing. Yeah. I, I mean, I love American girl, but <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, I love Barbie. I love Britney, especially yeah. I love celebrity dolls. I mean, Britney's the best one. I, um. I love brats. I also like weirdly love like Star Wars dolls because I just think they're super. It's, I think it's really interesting because Star Wars is, you know, a brand that is aimed at boys. You know what I mean? And they've tried so many times to market products to girls and they've done some incredibly well done high end fashion dolls of, you know, like the queen or whatever. And they're amazing. But they keep trying and they always just flop so hard, but I, I love those so much. I think of the Barbie, the Barbie launch that they did about two, three years back. Which one? The Star Wars Barbie launch that they did. Oh, they did. Oh, I yeah. Dolls. Yeah. Oh, I know exactly. What, um, not really my thing. I, uh, okay. yeah, I, I definitely know what you're talking about. Those are expensive. Yeah. They get up there. <laughs> I'm not so much into that. Would I, would I buy one if it was presented to me and it was, you know, cheap maybe, but I'm not super into that. I, um, I, I don't know how to classify myself as a collector. I don't really go for any of that high end stuff. Like, I mean, I guess American girl is kind of, kind of, I mean, 
kind of right. expensive. Not, but, I get what you mean where it's not like in that sense of like where it's already at a high price point, whereas like brats now, like that's like six hundred dollars. You're oh, getting yeah. a dollar box that's like six hundred dollars. So I get exactly what you mean. Yeah, and I I don't uh I'm not cra- I'm not a crazy in the box kind of person. Yeah. I uh, I love to find dolls at thrift stores and just kind of make them okay. better. <laughs> I like yeah. to, you know, I'll find like a a superstar Barbie from 1977 and she'll be a complete right. a complete wreck and then I'll just make her look new again. Um, so I get really into that. But I know there's, you know, I mean, with the doll community, you've got people who are just strictly inbox, never touch this, never like, you know, it, she is up here on display forever and she's never coming out of her box. I'm not like that. I'm more of just a like, oh, it's a doll. Let's open it. It's so cute. Yeah. Like, <laughs> And so you said, the, what what is the collectible value of some of these Monster High dolls now? Um, see, people will call me out for this too and, and say that like scalpers are going to watch this, but I'm going to put this out on the podcast. Baby scalpers are not like that deep in the niche. A lot of them are getting stuff fresh off the truck. They do not need to know. I mean, some of them do, they go into the Facebook groups, but I'm letting you know right now, a lot of them are already like established businesses that if they just know somebody, like they know a target employee they're getting off the truck. Anyways, um, there are some, I mean, they go as high as like $1,200 $1,200 now, like the Comic-Con Frankie, the first one I just saw on eBay sell for like, I want to say a thousand, nine hundred to a thousand, sometimes a little bit higher. Um, they range, I would say the average price point, like I would say like, let's say like a hundred dollars because there's some that are, you're not going to find them less than $20 in the box. Out of box, yeah, like we're looking at out of box. I think like you could probably find Frankie, ooh, See that? I actually don't know. Maybe like, but in the box, it, it gets up there. Oh, I bet. I mean, I, I mean, no, I, I'm not ashamed to admit it, but I've dropped a couple hundred dollars on a single Britney doll just because yeah. <laughs> like yeah. I wanted it and I got to, you know, I'm a collector. I'm like Ariel from the little oh, mermaid. God. And then with the scale, with, with this, with the scalper stuff, um, I find that a lot of people will try to scalp dolls and no one, just no one will buy them. It's like, yeah, it might say that it's, you know, $1,500, but no one is going to buy that. So really this person is just wasting their time. So bidding are trustworthy. You have to look at sold listings and you have to see that multiple dolls are sold for that listing. So there's a lot of true doll collectors that like troll people on eBay and create big bids. There's a lot of sellers on eBay who like eat with other sellers. So therefore they bid a ton on other people's products and intend on, intend on paying for to like scare away the competition. And then there's sellers who just create things to bid on their own things or have bid on their own things to up the value of them. And the way that that actually ecosystem, I could go on all day about that topic. No, no, this is great. I actually haven't talked about this at all on the podcast. So basically, if you are planning on buying a doll that is a of a higher range in price, do your research. That is the best way to avoid paying too much. All you do is click sold listings on eBay and then you scroll. You're going to have to scroll like a couple pages to make sure that you get like an an average like mean of of what it's selling for, but it's all the information is just factual. It's all right there. It's accessible to anybody. So I will say this again, like about scalping, like some people will say like, oh, now scalpers are going to know the value. They can also go on eBay and just look up. You really think they're going to sit and listen to a podcast as opposed to the two second search that you could also right. be doing going on eBay. Anyways. No, totally. So uh, you have obviously have a massive, amazing Monster High collection. What is your favorite doll? Do you have one? 
Yeah, I do. Um, it is my prototype Phyla that I did get on eBay. Um, somebody was selling her and she was up for like, I want to say like a year or something. She was up for a minute and it was during COVID. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to regret it if I don't buy this doll. So it is a hand-painted prototype. I believe it's from Toy Fair. Um, and it's Twyla. And Twyla is one of my favorite characters. Like I said, I love psychology. That's one of Twyla's favorite uh, school subjects. The character is just kind of like somber and sarcastic, like the bubble pricker type character, but still sweet and down to earth. And again, that goes into why people love Monster High is identifying so heavily with these characters. So that, I would say definitely that one. I, I just, I love what you just said. I think it's so cool that you have a, a favorite doll that loves psychology. Like back in my, yeah. my Barbie collecting days, I mean, Barbie had a lot of jobs and stuff, but it was never like that specific. That is really, really <laughs> cool. Yeah. That's amazing. So on my research that I did, I did see, you know, the, the quality in Monster yeah. High has changed quite a bit. What are Monster High dolls like today? Do you do you love them? Like, are they as, I mean, what, with the quality dip, what do you, what are your thoughts? So I think that I'm biased because I love Monster High, but I am as a adult mature being, like I'm able to acknowledge, like, would I tell someone like, oh, this is a really great quality doll? No. Would I say if you're a fan of Monster High, could you back this? Absolutely. Um, I think that, at its core, Monster High is about like acceptance and diversity and inclusivity, and the brand continues that promise. In terms of the dolls itself, if you don't care about the lore of Monster High and you look at the dolls, they're not like they're not on par with Rainbow High. Like the quality is simply not there. The designers aren't given the budget to do things like that, unfortunately, not at Mattel. Um, I think that at times, like the prints and patterns they use are dated but if you look at older monster high you could say the same thing like they have always been campy and that's the way i always describe monster high is like they're campy they're they're not always on trend the shoes are always giving mcqueen like they're incredible shoes but the outfits and they're like fun but you definitely wouldn't look at that and say like oh i want to dress like that the way you might with rainbow high or brats or barbie Older Monster High, sure, but I think it's more so this idea we created of like what Monster High is that makes us want to be like, oh, I want Monster High aesthetic. When, and when we say that, what we're really talking about is like scene, goth, or like e-girl aesthetic. Um, but truly Monster High is like crazy patterns, lots of neon colors. Um, it, the shift though, and the, the theory that I talk about is like with Pokemon, the first couple generations of Pokemon have two to three colors. Now we look at them, there's like four or five colors on them. And I think that makes them look uh, younger. It appeals to a younger demographic to have different accent colors. And it, it, I think to an adult eye, it's kind of like, what's going on? It looks a little clownery, a little clownish. But I think that they're they're ultimately cute. It, it really yeah. just depends on preference and taste. And I mean, obviously these dolls have been around for, you know, at least, uh, what, 12 12, 13, 14 years. So they're obviously, they're doing something right. Um, I'm just looking up, like, where can I get a Monster High doll? So um, we're recording this before their launch. I don't know when this is going to go up, but they Ooh. are available October 1st. So the dolls are technically not, they're street dated. They're on embargo until October 1st. They have sold at Walmart and Macy's prior to that. So generation three, if we're talking generation three, they also have um, collector dolls, which sell out very quickly called Haunt Couture, oh. and that line is now uh, paused. So they also create a Skelector line. These are all on Mattel Creations periodically. 
Um, they had a line called Real Drama that dropped on the 21st, and that's available at your favorite retailers, presumably around October 1st as well. They had an online drop for the 21st. It'll probably be in stores around October 1st. But all of Gen 3 Monster High will be available at all major retailers, Amazon, Walmart, Target, et cetera, for $24.99. Oh, okay. I am writing that down. Because so with all the doll lines that I've done previously, I've, you know, I've had them already, but I've bought myself a new one just to just have the experience just after wrapping the episode. So I'm definitely going to have to get one of these Monster High dolls. That's really all I have. This was a, a great discussion. I thank you for teaching me all this. I Like I said, I did not know anything about Monster High, but I am walking away from this knowing so much more and just... Like, I mean, I didn't have one. I, I feel stupid for not being into them when, you know, they came out. But they're very, very cool dolls. Super unique. I definitely yeah. see the uh, the appeal that they would have on kids as well as adult collectors. They're very cool. I see the influence they've had on, like, the drag community. I think that's amazing. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's just, it, it's a really great doll. And I'm so glad that they're still around. But, um, Claudina, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, at Claudina, C-L-A-W-D-E-N-A on any social platform except Twitter. You will never catch me on Twitter. Oh God, Twitter <laughs> is the absolute worst. I have to have it for business reasons, but like every <laughs> every time I go into a Twitter dive, I'm like, why did I just let myself do that? That was the stupidest thing you've done all week. Great. Well, thank you for coming on to the Iconic Dollcast. I appreciate it so much. I am obsessed with your collection. I can't wait for this to come out and we will talk again soon. I'm sure. Uh, Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. You're so welcome. All right, guys, that was so much fun. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Iconic Dollcast and big thank you to Claudina. I had so much fun talking with you and learning about Monster High dolls. Like I said in the beginning of the episode, I really think Monster High is one of the most unique and interesting doll brands out there, and it was really cool to learn more about them. Make sure you follow me on Instagram, Britney Spears Custom Dolls, or you can follow the show's Instagram, Iconic Dollcast, TikTok, Britney Spears Dolls, and I will see you guys next time. (laughs) 